Letter fifty eight of Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three, by Samuel Richardson. Letter fifty eight. Miss Howe to Miss Clarissa Harlowe. Thursday, April twenty seventh. I am sorry you sent back my Norris, but you must be allowed to do as you please. So must I, in my turn. We must neither of us, perhaps, expect absolutely of the other what is the rightest thing to be done, and yet few folks, so young as we are, better know what the rightest is. I cannot separate myself from you, although i give a double instance of my vanity in joining myself with you in this particular assertion i am most heartily rejoiced that your prospects are so much mended and that as i hoped good has been produced out of evil what must the man have been what must have been his views had he not taken such a turn upon a letter so vile and upon a treatment so unnatural himself principally the occasion of it you know best your motives for suspending, but I wish you could have taken him at offers so earnest. Footnote. Mr. Lovelace, in his next letter, tells his friend how extremely ill the lady was, recovering from fits to fall into stronger fits, and nobody expecting her life. She had not, he says, acquainted Miss Howe how very ill she was. In the next letter, she tells Miss Howe that her motives for suspending were not merely ceremonious ones End of footnote. why should you not have permitted him to send for lord m s chaplain if punctilio only was in the way and want of a license and of proper preparations and such like my service to you my dear and there is ceremony tantamount to your ceremony do not do not my dear friend again be so very melancholy a decliner as to prefer a shroud when the matter you wish for is in your power and when as you have justly said heretofore persons cannot die when they will but it is a strange perverseness in human nature that we slight that when near us which at a distance we wish for you have now but one point to pursue that is marriage let that be solemnized i leave the rest to providence and to use your own words in a former letter follow as that leads you will have a handsome man a genteel man he would be a wise man if he were not so vain of his endowments and wild and intriguing but while the eyes of many of our sex taken by so specious a form and so brilliant a spirit encourage that vanity you must be contented to stay till grey hairs and prudence enter upon the stage together you would not have everything in the same man I believe Mr. Hickman treads no crooked paths, but he hobbles most ungraciously in a straight one. Yet Mr. Hickman, though he pleases not my eye, nor diverts my ear, will not, as I believe, disgust the one, nor shock the other. Your man, as I have lately said, will always keep up attention. You will always be alive with him, though perhaps more from fears than hopes while mr hickman will neither say anything to keep one awake nor yet by shocking adventures make one's slumbers uneasy i believe i now know which of the two men so prudent a person as you would at first have chosen nor doubt i 
that you can guess which i would have made choice of if i might but proud as we are the proudest of all of us can only refuse and many of us accept the but half worthy for fear a still worse should offer if men had chosen their mistresses for spirits like their own although mr lovelace at the long run may have been too many for me i don't doubt but i should have given heartache for heartache for one half year at least while you with my dull swift would have glided on as serenely as calmly as unaccountably as the succeeding seasons and varying no otherwise than they to bring on new beauties and conveniences to all about you i was going on in this style but my mother broke in upon me with a prohibitory aspect she gave me leave for one letter only she had just parted with your odious uncle and they have been in close conference again she has vexed me i must lay this by till i hear from you again not knowing whither to send it direct me to a third place as i desired in my former i told my mother on her challenging me that i was writing indeed and to you but it was only to amuse myself for i protested that i knew not where to send to you i hope that your next may inform me of your nuptials although the next to that were to acquaint me that he was the most ungratefulest monster on earth as he must be if not the kindest husband in it my mother has vexed me but so on revising i wrote before but she has unhinged me as you call it pretended to catechise hickman i assure you for contributing to our supposed correspondence catechised him severely too upon my word i believe i have a sneaking kindness for the sneaking fellow for i cannot endure that anybody should treat him like a fool but myself i believe between you and me the good lady forgot herself i heard her loud she possibly imagined that my father was come to life again yet the meekness of the man might have soon convinced her i should have thought for my father it seems would talk as loud as she i suppose though within a few yards of each other as if both were out of their way and were hallooing at half a mile's distance to get in again i know you'll blame me for this sauciness but i told you i was vexed and if i had not a spirit my parentage on both sides might be doubted you must not chide me too severely however because i have learned of you not to defend myself in an error and i own i am wrong and that's enough you won't be so generous in this case as you are in every other if you don't think it is adieu my dear i must i will love you and love you for ever so subscribes your anna howe End of letter 58